0: Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Hello, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Tasting Anarchy. I'm your host, Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I'm joined by
1: Mason Joseph.
0: And this week, we are trying out uh, some new recording software, but we've got a backup, so hopefully, we won't miss anything. But what I'm hoping hoping for this mason is that if what they say is true about using uh zencaster in the background basically i can just after this is done do all the editing in the thing it'll it'll automatically balance our voices out because that's what i've been struggling with the most the last several episodes is getting your voice and my voice to be equal and then when we had nate on it was it was even worse because your voice and his voice were on the same track <laughs> and, and, and you were both different levels. And I just was like, I can't level these guys out. And, uh, and then I was, I sounded like I was like on the other side of the room being like, Hey guys, <laughs> it, yeah, it was, have, it was
1: weird. I have a very weird voice in the recordings. It seems. So yeah.
0: I, I'm not sure why. Cause it's like your voice is deep, but it, there's something, it's not even the deepness. It's like, there's a volume difference, yeah. but, it's not a volume difference that like it's clear from like the ups and downs on whatever this, I don't know what you call that on the audio thing. I'm not an audio person, but yeah, neither,
1: neither of us are big into audio, but yeah, it's definitely like Mason has like the small voice. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So
0: it always sounds, it always, it's just always difficult to balance it, but hopefully this will work. And my goal is to, as you know, we go on into the future of tasting anarchy, uh, I'll be able to just basically do the recording and then the same night, download it, put the music on it, and then post it to, uh, well, Anchor right now that we're trying out another new things too. So behind the scenes, look, we're trying out new stuff. Hopefully that'll make the show a little bit better. And uh, well, I mean, I think the show's already pretty good, but it'll make it easier for me because that's what, that's uh, the struggle I've been having lately is just not getting the show out on time because of how much like extra editing and stuff I've had to do for the episodes when we had guests and things.
1: Yeah. Not to mention, you know, buying a house and all that, all, yeah, yeah. all that fun jazz.
0: Yeah, that's true. So, uh, what are you sipping on tonight?
1: Um, so let me pull up the exact name cause I went French this week. Um, uh, so one second. So it is the Luke. Pirlet Reserve 2018 Chardonnay. Um, I got it for about 14 bucks at total wine before tax, 13% ABV. Um, it, it is like golden like in color. Like okay. it is, but like there's no amber hue to it. So like, you know, like a lot of gold is like a golden amber kind of this was just like straight gold. Um it smelled like summer. Not like those you remember the like the New Zealand like Pinot gris that like tasted of like grass, like yeah, yeah that the one that, we, that was like a,
0: like yeah fourth or fifth episode when yeah, we did, like yeah, that, it was that uh, summer, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, so like it smelled like summer, and then like taste is very light, slight acidity, um, I got it because Ashley wanted a buttery chardonnay to cook with, so I got an oaked chardonnay. Okay. Um, and I wanted to try French. So like, Oh, let me get a French one. And it was great for cooking. And, but it didn't taste like a whole lot on the other side. Now mm. I did have two big glasses or not big glasses, but like two like sized mason jars worth of sangria at lunch um, mm-hmm. for this place we went to. Um, and like, been up super late the last couple days and didn't sleep in very much at all this weekend. So like I've been burning it at both ends. So I might just not have been tasting anything at all. And it might be like a super fantastic wine, but at like $14, I would definitely get it again. Um, you know, kind of how you were saying the last couple whites you've done where they're like light and refreshing. Yeah. Would definitely kind of go back from there. Um, but like, uh, like, do you know, like Coco Vaughn? I don't think so. Um, so like it's a French dish, um, but like this is Coco Von Vin Blanc. So it's basically like chicken with white wine. Um, okay. So it's like white wine, and it's got um, some like heavy cream in it, and then like mushrooms, pancetta, um, like sage. Well, maybe not sage. No, like parsley and like yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a good. It's a good white Italian dish, or not Italian dish. A white chicken dish um okay. so that's what we got the wine for and you know definitely serviceable on that front so
0: yeah okay it and sounds pretty good wine, this, so yeah it makes makes me want to want to get a bottle and try it just to because at that price point you know 14 bucks yeah it was, a, it was a lot of fun bad.
1: exploring total wine again um, yeah because i've yeah. just had you know wine and i've got the the shipments of wine coming um once I do order them for the, uh, that my parents got me for the group on for my birthday. So like, I'm not going to have to shop for wine for a while. Um, yeah. But it was nice to kind of like look around total wine again. And like, I was really like, Oh, I want to find a French Chardonnay. And I wasn't looking for like region specifics so that made it kind of interesting to walk around total wine. Cause it's like, you know how total wine is. It's like, sometimes it's really easy to find what you're looking for. Other times it's like, a little harder, <laughs> So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, because it, it is a lot of stuff, and yeah. sometimes, and also, they don't div- like in in uh, one part of total wine they divide it up by wine type, and in one part of total wine it's divided up by region, yeah. and so like you can go to Loire, the Loire region in like the French portion of the store, and but then you have to. You could you have to go look and see what they're what each one is, be, and it's sometimes difficult because if the bottle is very dark and it contains a white wine, sometimes that's harder to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you have but you have to know kind of what the labels are going to be like in places like in France because, like Loire, for example, is uh has a lot of Cab Franc, but they're not famous for Cab Franc; they're famous for other types of white wines. And uh, same thing with like you know you can go to Burgundy and burgundy is famous for pinot noir but they're also famous for chardonnay like what you what you have i don't know if that's what region
1: do you know what region this is from i was southern france oh okay. um, just gen, generically go really southern go ahead
0: just generically southern
1: um it was on their website but their website was like not acting correctly i mean they had a very okay. extensive website but because like i've been using brave recently yeah. like sometimes when you access stuff on brave it like thinks you're in another country it was it was weird um so it was, it didn't come up as easily as I thought it would have, but okay. you know, it was still, um, yeah, something like that.
0: Okay. So. Yeah. I mean, it sounds good. And, but yeah, that's what, but I get what you're saying about sometimes total wine is not the easiest to, uh, to like navigate, I yeah. guess. It, it that, helps like also way. when
1: you're, you're like me and you, you just don't want to talk to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's kind of – that's sort of how I am too.
1: Yeah, because, like, you know, the thing is, like, they're very nice, but I didn't want to say, like, oh, I'm looking for a French Chardonnay. Well, what do you want about it? Uh, I just want it to be buttery. <laughs> you know, like, right. I didn't have yeah, anything yeah. anything else to tell them. And I'm like, it's like, oh, you do a wine show and you don't have, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And anything then- else to say is just like, ah, uh, just need yeah.
0: wine <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's sort of how i feel too because like even though like i've even got a wine certification but a lot of times when i go there i'm like yeah i don't i can't really tell you exactly what i want and frankly i don't really want you to help me because i kind of want to do it myself and that's sort of part of the experience mm-hmm. but i also don't want to be like no just leave me alone yeah so, and- so then i end up talking to these people for like 10 minutes and It's awkward. (laughs) Yeah.
1: The classic thing that I do where it's just like, you just keep talking and then it's kind of like, I should just trail off and then I don't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you just kind
0: of like, I'm going to walk away. (laughs) Well. Well, anyways, but that sounds pretty good. I might, I might try that out. You know, every time you have a wine that sounds interesting to me, that's accessible to me, I'm always like, well, I'm going to try that out. And I think I've only done it like three times. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I mean, like you also just have so much wine still. That's
0: true. Yeah. Well, that's true. And, and I'm going to, I'm also trying to cut back a little bit. I think that I need, and we're going to get into this a little bit in the show today about like health stuff, but I think I've been going a little heavy on the wine and, uh, Although this is, I mean, I've been saying that for several weeks and I have, I have reduced it a little bit, but I think I'm going to try to get back down to like two bottles a week or something.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, like after me saying like, oh, I feel like I've been kind of, you know, burning the candle at both ends, kind of, as I was saying at the beginning, it's like, I keep always saying like, I'm not going to drink every day of the weekend. Yeah. And then like, I had like two drinks. I had three like hard ciders. On Friday and then I had like the, cause like I told you the other day, like we had that uh leap day party and like, yeah, I had right. just I had gone like over the top. Well, I had another one of the beers that I had started the night with um where, cause I just had an extra one and I felt kind of bad afterwards. I'm like, did these just age badly? Like, okay. Or did like, or was it just like, you know, sense memory? <laughs> like, oh, you poisoned yourself on this last time. <laughs> You've poisoned again, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, it was funny. So,
0: Yeah. All right, well, tonight I'll tell you what I'm drinking. This is actually, I got, this is a little bit more expensive than what I normally drink, but I got it because uh, it was a good deal on Last Bottle of Wines, of course, which if you would like a $10 discount, you can go over to uh, tasting anarchy.com and click the last bottle wines link and get $10 off. And it gives us a little bit of a kickback, but I, I got this one because I thought that it might be one that Victoria would like, and she didn't end up liking it. Uh, we opened it Friday actually, and I didn't drink it all yesterday. And I just, uh, I'm going to finish off, I guess the last two glasses tonight. And, um, but it is, uh, disciples 2016. Uh, it's from the crane assembly. It's a Napa Valley, uh, red blend. It is 76% Zinfandel, 13% Charbano, 6% granacha and 5% petite Syrah. Uh, Look-wise, super dark red. Of course, it's got a lot of Zinfandel in it. Um, it's uh, a very aggressive wine. So smell-wise, I get a lot of, like, plum from it. Mm-hmm. And, but then, like, taste-wise, it's actually fairly complex and pretty interesting. Uh, there's, there's kind of some, like, black licorice, a little bit of that black pepper flavor. I mean, the over the overwhelming flavor is black cherry or plum, I think, but, uh, the black licorice is definitely there. The pepper's there. Uh, there's some sort of other spiciness to it. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fairly tannic, but not as tannic as like a cab Sauv. Uh, but it, it is, I would say it's, uh, as far as like Zinfandel's go, cause it's mostly Zinfandel. It does. It, it is like a very high end Zinfandel, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, uh, did I say how much it costs? Because for the price, I don't think I'm going to get it again.
1: No, you didn't say.
0: So. Okay. It's uh, $55.99 normally. Uh, I got it, I think, for $35 on uh, mm-hmm. last bottle of wine. So it, it was a good deal. But even at $35, I've had others that I think are equally good. And uh, this one, I it may even be that it was like slightly more complex than what I was either ready for or what I wanted at this time Mm -hmm. uh but and it i'm not really sure how to describe it i just feel like this was not the wine for me right now i guess that's the best way i can like put it it's just like it's just not really what i wanted at this at this moment it Mm -hmm. was a little bit too it was a little too much for me right now i guess gotcha um and then like on friday when i opened it i had already drank an entire bottle of uh of rhone so I wasn't really prepared to like do any sort of tasting on Friday. So, I mean, I was going to say like, that does
1: not sound like a good chaser to <laughs> no. um, like no. a Roan. Like, yeah. Cause, yeah, cause the Roans
0: like, are so tannic and so aggressive.
1: Yeah. I was going to say like, I didn't, you know, like, I, I don't know Napa's in, but like, mm-hmm. you know, Lodi's in like, mm-hmm. just straight up kick to the face. <laughs> so.
0: This is, this is different. Cause it's not as much of like a, a fruit bomb as, mm-hmm. uh, Lodi, but it's, it, like it has a silkiness and a smoothness that I think that most of the Lodi ones, at least the Lodi ones that I've had doesn't, don't have, they're, they're much, yeah, they're like a kick to the face, whereas this, I would say is a little more elegant. This may be because of the blend that might've helped it out, but, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I would also say it's a little bit, See, it's got, it's more of like a silky start and then more of a tannic finish as far as texture. The acidity good. It does have the fruitiness. It's not a fruit bomb like a lot of the ones from the, like Lodi where it's really warm. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, I don't know, it's complex. It's a lot of dark fruit, but it's also, there's like, there's some vanilla, there's the spices, there's a little bit of maybe chocolate in it. The licorice is interesting. The pepper is interesting. I, I don't know that, like I said, I don't know that I would buy this again. I kind of wish I had waited till like, I was in the mood for like a sit down and like contemplate tasting session. Whereas when I opened this, I kind of just wanted Victoria to try it. And I had finished, I think I had like a half a bottle, not a full bottle, but like a half a bottle of that Rhone because it was leftover from the night before. And I liked that one a lot or no, actually it wasn't a Rhone. It was a uh, Barbaresco. It was Italian. So, Mm -hmm. and I think actually I reviewed it for the show. I'd have to look up which one it was, but I liked it a lot and. I opened this up for Victoria to try and I actually poured me like a half a glass and her a full glass. And then she took like two sips and was like, nah, it's not for me. And I was like, Oh, so now I have a half a glass and a full glass to finish. So, (laughs) and, uh, and then I had a little bit more of it later on that night. And then, uh, and now I'm finishing it up now. So I got, I think I have like a little more than two glasses left that I'll, have, I'll finish it tonight, but I think it was pretty good. I do recommend people trying it if you can get a good deal, but it is expensive. So that was kind mm-hmm. of, that was the detractor from it, I guess.
1: Yeah. And you know that it, to me, and this is just kind of like, I think that's like the subjective nature of taste and like wine specifically. Like, I think this sounds to me like you, it really just hit you at the wrong time. Cause a yeah. lot of the things that you described in it is a lot of stuff that I'm used to you enjoying, so yeah,
0: well that's the things i do I do like it, but yeah, I think you're right it's it's just not this is more of a thinker wine and mm-hmm. i I have not you know sort of like you were saying you've been burning it on both ends, I kind of been doing the same thing. Is I'm trying to get the show going, that we've got a lot of stuff going at work. I've got the house that I'm trying to get all fixed up so we can move into it soon, and all that. So I, I've I've sort of got a lot of that too. I just need well, to also we'll have paint. a lot
1: of secret Childerberg stuff.
0: That's true. All the Childerberg stuff, all the other super secret stuff, and like and then uh I just I feel like I probably should have opened one that I knew about that I know I liked that was not really a thinker. Like, that, it's weird to describe wine that way, because I think you and I, early on, probably wouldn't have described wine that way. Uh, no, I, you, I think... you do. you do
1: sometimes, because you, yeah. you
0: kind of go, like, I know there's more, but I, I can't describe it. Yeah, so
1: it's, like, I think with, uh, with, like, Pinot Noir, like, I've known for a long time, and I've said this about other wines, that there's more going on here than I'm able to pick up. So you know, I've, I've routinely said that. And I think a lot of the times you catch that too, especially when we're like sharing a bottle and we're both kind of like something's here, but it's not hitting us right. Yeah. So
0: I think that's what it is. I think if I, and, and you know, you're, that's a good example is Pinot Noir. A lot of times uh, if I want to open a Pinot Noir, it's going to be with food that I think will go well with that particular Pinot Noir or that, or a Pinot Noir from that region. Mm-hmm. And Or it'll be a time when I just kind of feel like I'm not going to do much else. I'm just going to kind of sit here and think about this for a little while and like explore the flavors, textures, that kind of thing. And it's fun to do. You know, if some people play, you know, video games on their phone or whatever, if you want to relax on an evening or whatever after work, a glass of a complex wine is kind of fun to just sort of try and and even if it's not that complex of a wine even if it's like one that's new or that you got for like 10 bucks or whatever just take some time to think about it because sometimes there is more there and if you're just like go 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 you know then it's not you're just not going to get that stuff from it so that's what's one of the things I think is kind of fun about all alcohol but wine in particular is that there is a lot of stuff there that is kind of fun to mull over and think about and uh, you know not all wine is going to be that complex, like you know, the, the Winking Owl from uh, Aldi that that I that I think is okay for three bucks. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to sit there and be like, hmm, I, do I detect leather in this or whatever? But in even something that's like ten bucks, or like Freak Show is a good example of this too. It's Six, sixteen or seventeen dollars, I think. Not the most outrageously priced wine, but it's got a lot of stuff there. It may not be the most balanced wine of all time but there is stuff there it's kind of fun to like think about what's going on in that bottle
1: yeah there's that's the thing about like freak show there's a lot more going on with it than meets the eye the first shot through yeah so but i think that's with like even with the like the winking owl and stuff a lot of those are like rounded off but you can kind of see more in it like most wines you can kind of actually see more going on than, than up front. But I, I totally under like get it where you're just like, you know, I just want to have, and we, we say this a lot. It's like, you know, people who drink like Bush light or something like that, or, you know, like just standard Budweiser. It's like, no, I'm, I want a consistent product and I don't want to have to think about it. Whereas, you know, sometimes you open a bottle of wine, you know, like this one, like, what if you had sat on it for another year? Right, yeah. Would it be anything like this, or would it be worse because it's you know at its peak now? You know, just all that stuff. Or like you know, is there was there a slight defect in your bottle?
0: Sure, and that's very possible. Um, Yeah,
1: and not that I'm saying like nothing that you said made me think there's a defect, but just like you know, say there was a defect, and then you know, four years, you know, two years from now when you went to try it, it had spoiled because it was a, such a small defect. Yeah. So, or
0: I mean, sometimes, in, and I've run into this one time and I think I talked about it on the show is you can sometimes have uh damaged cork and that, mm-hmm. that turns the wine. So it's not fully sealed and that makes the wine more vinegary and just kind of ruins it. And, uh, and that, those are things now that's not what's going on here at all. This is this, like I said, I'm giving it not the greatest review because I did not, it wasn't what I wanted right now, or it wasn't really. I wasn't prepared for this. I if I get another really good deal, I definitely will buy another one and, uh, and sort of maybe come back to it and give it another review. One thing I did want to point out actually about this one, uh, have you seen the pictures of it or did you look it up? I might send you a, a thing for it. So it's got a really cool label. It's like a goat's skull. Hmm. And there's like no writing on it, except for if you turn the bottle, like all the way to the side in very small white letters, it says disciples on it. And then, and then on the very back label, it's got a little bit of uh, stuff. It just basically just says uh, where it's from, who bottled it and what it is. And then, then it's just got this large and it's in, you know, one of those like Pinot Noir shaped bottles where it's not like, not your standard cab saw bottle. It's kind of like, uh, I think they're, I
1: think it's they're called like a Burgundy fatter bottles. end bottle
0: yeah yeah so yeah. it's like yeah I think they're called burgundy bottles I don't know i could be wrong but um so it's just a cool just a cool label yeah and uh so that's that's that I, it does actually have really great ratings online so uh i like i don't feel like I'm doing it justice but you know you and I've discussed this before I've, I've lately been trying to good or bad whatever my thoughts are giving a more not even a more honestly uh review i always do but I think in the past what I probably would have done if I felt this way about this particular wine is I would have not reviewed it. I would have done something else.
1: Yeah. I think you, I think you often blunt your full thoughts Mm -hmm. and just kind of like, Oh, you know, it was, it was serviceable. Whereas it's like, you know, this, this didn't work for me. And I think that's kind of the, Getting more fair about it, where it's just like, yeah, oh, th- yeah, this didn't I, I think work that's it. for me. And that's, that's okay. Like, it's okay that this wasn't what I wanted or needed tonight.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, and that's, you know, I didn't drink it all yesterday. Today it was, it's International Women's Day. So, uh, we went out and we actually had French food. And, uh, although, uh, I had a very Americanized French item, it was a, uh, a, uh, what are those like fluffy biscuits that they have for breakfast? What are those called again? Croissants? Yeah. Yeah, croissants. So it was a croissant sandwich, but it was like croissant sandwich with like eggs and sausage and American cheese. (laughs) (laughs) But it was at the French restaurant. So because it's a good, it's a really good French restaurant. They have actual French stuff, but I just wanted that today. So Mm -hmm. I think I was kind of in that sort of the, the mood for like lowbrow things. Like I want like, egg sandwich and like i think i probably would have been better off with like a beer yeah (laughs) you know it's just kind of one of those days
1: no i know what you mean it's just kind of like this is what this is what's working for me now
0: (laughs) yeah so but speaking of uh france and the old world and not actually france but italy hang on my dog's making noise (laughs) uh he's uh, victoria took it away from him uh I've got an article that I thought was really interesting. It's it's uh, not the longest article, but I figured we'd get into that before we got into more the meat and the bones tasting anarchy type article. Yeah. And so this article, it is uh, titled Nessos, Reviving the Underwater Wine Loved by Ancient Rome. And uh, it's from Decanter. And it is not by our normal guy. Uh, I actually did not write down the author of this Then why one. are
1: we bothering to read this?
0: <laughs> I, I know. It's by Aldo Fi... <laughs> Fior Fiordelli. Aldo Fiordelli. So, uh, she's she's taking the squeaker away from him again. He just wants to walk around squeaking that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, so uh, I'll go ahead and summarize the article. It's, it's super interesting to me. So winemaker Antonio Arrighi uh, worked with researchers to make a new wine named Nessos. The wine is made in part by submerging the grapes under the sea. Uh, This took place off the Tuscan coast and was intended to recreate an an ancient technique used by luxury wine thousands of years ago. The method was was written about in Roman sources dating back to 2,500 years ago. It is believed that the grapes absorb some of the salt from the seawater via osmosis. This is not the same as a cold soak, which is a, is a common practice for wine where you soak the g- grapes in in cold water. Uh, this is a little bit different. Um, so the prof- this particular process removes surface bloom, the water being salty, uh, which helps uh, the grapes dry out faster in the sun when you're doing this particular style of wine. Uh, the grapes are placed in a basket and submerged about 10 meters, at a depth of about 10 meters, for five days, the grapes are then taken off the stems, placed in clay jars along with the skins. These are white grapes, so this is a little bit unusual. Uh, this is usually they do this what's called an orange wine. They make, but uh, so anyways, uh, so it's taken off this and put put in clay jars uh, with the skins on, and then due to the salt, there's no need to add sulfites, which is pretty cool. Um, the wine is golden color with yellow apple fruit scent, followed by peat and seaweed aromas, as well as blooming flowers. Hmm. So that is the article. I thought that was really interesting that they're, that they've like, they kind of recreated this method. Now, whether or not this is actually the way that they did it is, is speculation. And they do get, I actually read another article about this, but I wanted to get the one from Decanter because it's a little bit more wine related. The other one was from like just a regular news source. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but it's it's so when they do a lot of these like recreations of ancient techniques, like there's that uh, they've you know, made Egyptian beer and things like that. It's they don't really know exactly how it was done. Also, the yeast is not the same as it was back then and, and that kind of thing. But uh, they are approximating it just to see like, what's the difference? So apparently this is actually a lot of people who tried this one thought it was very good and very interesting. They made they only made uh, 40 bottles the first year. And but they're making it now the second year and it's going to have a much wider commercial availability. We, Mm -hmm. You and I probably won't get it because it'll still be very, very expensive. But maybe in a couple of years, if this takes off, there'll be a couple of different people doing it. It it sounds very interesting to me. You know, one of those Medocs that I had, uh, had that kind of seaweed smell and taste. And I thought, even though I don't like seaweed normally, this kelpiness I found like really memory triggering. Like it, it brought back memories from like, Seaside adventures in Bodega Dunes in California, and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, you talked
1: about that, like independent of the show, for like two weeks. Like,
0: yeah, it was it was very actually actually I should get some more of that. It was it was a really good year. It was twenty fourteen uh, Hout, Houtmadok or Atmadok, however yeah. you say that. <laughs> um, really, really very good. I, I probably have a picture of it in my phone or something. I might get some more of that if I can find it. Uh, but yeah so like this to me sounds really interesting it actually when they describe the process of drying the grapes out that to me sounds like it's uh, a dessert wine because mm-hmm. usually when you dry the grapes out like that and it concentrates the flavors and and pressing it at that point is uh, produces a thicker sweeter wine and they didn't really say what type of wine it is they just they just kind of described the basic practice and and even actually after the, they take the grapes off and put them into the clay jars, they don't really say much about much beyond that point. It's just, that's just basically it. So I'm curious to see w- what kind of wines they end up making out of this. And it's a interesting technique. Um, and I want to try it.
1: Yeah, this uh, is one of those, this is one of those things that like, you know, obviously, cause we don't have a way back machine basically, but like my, my, thought process is how, what drove the Romans to try this to begin with? Then that's a good question. Like of all the different techniques you could try for making wine, like, you know, there's the Georgian style, which is already very close to this. Yeah. You know, for the orange wines and stuff like that. But like, right. Right. Why this specifically, like, you know, like a lot of the times, you know first world kind of problems like where oh i'm just going to try something new and it's like yeah i'm not trying to like improve a yield or something like that i'm just let me try this new thing so like yeah well they,
0: they actually they do go into that a little bit more in the article i just didn't summarize it this was done in conjunction with a university Mm-hmm. And it was just the, the winemaker uh, who owned the vineyard and, and was making the wine just met, I guess, met this guy who was talking about it. And he was like, hey, I, I got a couple of extra grapes. Let's go and try it. And so and he did it. And this is um, also, I guess, like plenty of the elder talked about it and or maybe plenty of the younger. I don't remember which one, but uh, it's this particular vineyard is on Elba. So it's off the Tuscan coast, but the vineyard is on Elba. So it's that okay. island off there and apparently this island was well known for this technique and so that's kind of why they're bringing it back
1: okay and I think I just missed that this wasn't being done stateside
0: oh yeah no this is done in, in Italy so yeah. off the Tuscan coast uh, on the island of Elba which uh, when I was reading about this article I spent like an hour google roads viewing the island and it looks just like California the bay Area. Yeah, it uh-huh. is crazy I was so weird to, to see it
1: yeah, California's got that Medi- mediterranean uh, mm-hmm. um, climate. It
0: does. Yeah, it was like when I was looking at those pictures, I was like, "This place looks beautiful." Like, this is other than like I don't want to live under the EU or you know anywhere where they don't speak English because then I'd have to learn another language. Unless it's like Spanish and it's like Panama or Chile or something like that. Yeah. Uh, like other than that, actually, I, I have no bias, I guess, against living in a place where they don't speak English. I'd have to learn the language, which. I've proven so far that I'm not particularly good at, <laughs> but uh, cause I've been trying to learn like some Russian for the last four years.
1: Yeah. But I, the this is one of those things that like is very unique about you. There's no drive for you to learn the language because like you can, you know, the, what do you get? You say you're going to be able to talk to Victoria, but you already can. And yeah. She's improving in her English every day, especially with talking to you in English. And then it's like basically like, so what, you're going to talk to your (laughs) mother-in-law?
0: Right. Yeah, that would be the only other person, I guess. (laughs) So it's
1: not like Victoria is part of a very large Russian community that, you know, they're sitting down and they're trying to help you teach it to you. You know, like when you're there, like, hey, we love you so much. And we love the fact that you're in our community. We really want to be able to talk to you in this other language too. And
0: yeah, it's not sense.
1: like, it's not like you have kids where like Victoria's like, no, this is part of the culture. I want them to understand. Right. And right. then you're learning it.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. any other thoughts about this particular, you want, you want to go to Elba and try it sometime?
1: Well, you know, my, so this is my secret goal but not secret goal. Cause this is the goal that you, you know, you know, I've had this goal or a goal like this basically for the last four years is yeah. to next year travel a lot. So yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. If, if I can, like, so my goal is before my daughter is 10 to have taken her to all the continents. Oh, that'd be cool. Like, I just think that would be fun. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, what was your dad like? Well, he and I went to every continent before I was 10. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, we, you know, we went to Europe, we went to Africa, we went to Antarctica, even, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, right. So, like, I want to spend a lot of time in Europe if I can, because right. they're, you know, like I, I have a great affinity. You and I have a great affinity for the British Isles, and we have a great affinity for, like kind of North central Europe, kind of like that. Yeah. France, Germany. And I know that isn't super central, but like Czech Republic, those kind of yeah, countries yeah. where the temperature is cooler. Um, there's mountains, you know, there, there's just a lot of interesting things there, but like Elba roads, like Corsica, like there are all of these very, very unique cultures. And it's like, I don't know anything about this. Like, yeah, this would be awesome. And I, you know, I've, yeah, been, yeah. I've been to Italy and like, I didn't enjoy Italy when I was a kid, but like, I think now as an adult, I would enjoy it a lot more. So, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, I want to spend a lot of time there. Like one of my kind of secret, not secret things, but like, I really want to spend like the month of December in Paris and cool. do like Christmas in Paris. Like my dad talked about doing that. When I was in middle to high school, kind of like, oh, like blah, 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 like Christmas in Paris. And I I don't even know if he actually said it, but it has been in my head ever since. And especially since, (laughs) you know, my daughter's young, I'm kind of like, how fun would it be to like rent an apartment in Paris and then like the week of Christmas, like fly my parents over. Like my brother and sister can make it great. If you guys could come at like some point during the time, you know, just kind of be in Paris and like do Christmas in Paris, which is like, why? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> like
0: Yeah. I, well, I mean, yeah, why not? Like just, you know, pick a place and just each, each, you know, we're, we're trying to start a new tradition this year, which I, hopefully when well, you're invited, of course, uh, but we're trying to get people to come out to Ukrainian Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, January sixth, yeah, and I don't know how many of how many people we've invited are actually going to be able to come. I know that's a very busy time for you at the company that I used to work at, that you currently work at. But we'll see what what the situation what the is holds. next yeah. year. Yeah, what the future holds. But uh, that was like one of the things we were was like it's cheaper to fly in in January than in December, unless you're going for the entire month. In which yeah. case, at the beginning of December, it doesn't really matter, I guess. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a better time to get people to travel and, and, you know, and I think we kind of want to try to do something similar to that where we just have, you know, travel. Like it's, it's fun to travel. You know, we got the dogs and that makes it a little bit tricky, but you know, they can go into a kennel for a couple of weeks and th- and they'd probably be okay.
1: Yeah. And, and that's a, that's the one thing is like Henry's, uh, nine roughly now. So he Holy could moly. live. What was that? I said, holy moly. Yeah. Because yeah. I like remember when his, you guys got him. <laughs> his eight year anniversary came up and, wow. you know, he was a year to a year and a half when we got him. Um, but so like, you know, that's the kind of thing is like, I don't want to diminish my quality time with him, but yeah. like if my parents aren't coming, like Henry loves my parents. So like right. he would be okay over there. He gets stressed out when he's not expecting to be over there. Like right? Yeah. if he's there on the weekends, he doesn't really seem to care. But, like, on the weekdays, he's like, no, I'm supposed to be at home and sleep. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. By myself. Like, <laughs> so, you know, it, it, that's kind of the thing. It's like, I want to be able to do these odd things. And, you know, you have to do different – you have to change your lifestyle to do these odd things. But that's kind of the exactly. thing too. Yeah. It's like, I want to come to Ukrainian Christmas and just be like yeah. – it's like, oh, man, like – just like you know knock on the door and like you guys be like holy crap you're here it's like yeah yeah like, that would be really cool yeah. just not have said anything and just show up yeah like, did,
0: did i ever tell you that story so my mom's best friend Ronnie Sue uh it was really it, she did something very similar like the first year that we moved to virginia beach you know there was a knock at the door and we came to the door and we opened it and like it, it was like one of those things where it was like one minute my sister, I think like the th- three of my sisters or two of my sisters and myself were all standing at the door like staring at Ronnie Sue going like, wait a second, this this must just be somebody who looks like Ronnie Sue and and all of us going like, what? And then like and then she's like, it's me! And we went, oh my gosh! And like all you know, we were all super happy. And then we called mom and mom had no idea. Either. Yeah, and mom was like, oh my gosh! Oh, it's so great!
1: Yeah, it's and it week- was,
0: yeah, it was really fun
1: one of my coworkers one of your former coworkers mom turned you know like 75 or something like that or you know some age I, I forget what it is but she did that where she flew out um unannounced and she doesn't like to fly at all and she pretended to be an amazon delivery person oh, and that's funny. it took her mom like a few minutes to get it or you, you know it wasn't a few minutes it was like 10 seconds cuz like she said package for the mom's name And then dropped the package, not like dropped it, but like lowered it. So, cause she had it in front of her face and then the mom kind of like, you could hear it in like the silence. Like she's like, huh?
0: Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's cool.
1: Yeah. So, and that's kind of the things, you know, where like, as I mentioned, like when you guys have kids, I want to be able to come out and just, it's like, look, everyone else has left. Like, what do you guys need? Like somebody's, you know, Hey, like I'll get up with the dogs because I know how it is when you get up with the baby at one thirty, two thirty, three thirty, and you're both up and it there's there's no it's no one of you going back to sleep. It's like right you're switching you know everybody else is you're switching every other one and then the dog needs to go out at six thirty. Well, like I get up at six most days anyway, just because that's when I wake up and then be like, all right, I'm taking the dogs like and just you know go out for a while, you know those sort of things where it's like, hey just having that availability. Right.
0: Well, you know, that's a good uh, transition point to the next topic because yeah. I have a lead in story about oh. being helpful. So I don't think I, I don't think I told you about this cause it happened pretty late last no, night. No, You're
1: about to tell me about it. Yeah. And then I yeah, so kind of like, we'll hold it.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, last night I was driving over to the house. It was, I think, I think it was getting close to eight o'clock, maybe, maybe closer to nine o'clock and uh, from the apartment. And I got off on our exit And there was this car that was flipped over on the side of the road, but the lights were still on. And so I was like, that's a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. And so like, I was like, you know what? And I I was like, I got a lot of work to do at the house. I got to take all these shelves off and all that sort of stuff. But then like, I was like, you know what? The lights are on. If there's somebody in there, I'll feel bad about it if I find out later. And also they probably need somebody and there was nobody else stopping. Like there was a lot of cars. They were all just passing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, uh, yeah, let me just, you know, pull over or whatever. So I pulled over, ran over to the car and sure enough, there's this rather large lady inside the car and <laughs> with the car flat, you know, bleeding and stuff like that with the car flipped over. And, you know, she undoes her seatbelt and kind of flops down and crawls out of the car and starts kind of crying and stuff. And I was like, hey, do you need me to call 911? And she's like, absolutely. Yes, I, I need you to call 911. And she's like, I don't know where I am. What's going on? all that sort of stuff. And I was like, all right, let me call 911. Just sit down, don't move, don't get up or anything like that. I don't I don't know how injured you are. I can see that you're bleeding, but you know, just sit down and I'll call. And then some other people s- saw her getting out of the car and they stopped and came over too. And one of them was a, uh, not a paramedic, but he's like a an ex-firefighter or something like that. So he knew like first aid stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what he said his job was, but he worked, he had some sort of like first responder type job where, yeah, where like first aid was part of it.
1: Yeah. He's either a former first responder or some sort of first responder. Yeah. Adjacent he's, he's, person.
0: Yeah. So he's kind of giving her like the finger thing where like, you like he checks your eyes and like shine, he had his phone was shining the light of the phone in her eyes and stuff like that and going like, okay, I don't know what's wrong with you, but you know, we're going to call an ambulance just to be sure. Uh, and she, and you know, she's checking all her, She's all cut up and stuff, but she's she wasn't actually like bleeding from her head or anything. It was like her it was her uh, hands and knees were all cut up. So I guess from the glass or something. Because when she was trying to get herself out, she probably fell on the glass. Yeah, yeah, probably. And um, anyway, so I called you know nine one one and was like, hey, you know, come over here and that sort of thing. And this is the one thing I I regret from the interaction is that the police showed up, and as soon as the police showed up, she started telling them that she had been drinking. And I was like, ah, I should have told her not to say anything to them before, you know, because she, you know, she needed to go to the ambulance or whatever. And fortunately, she didn't hurt anybody else, but she just shouldn't have said anything to the police about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure they would have been able to find out or whatever, but immediately she's going, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just had too much to drink. And I was like, ooh, (laughs) bad move, lady. (laughs) But
1: yeah, but like, if you don't know where you are and you're super disoriented, like there could be other things happening. Cause she may have only had one drink. She may be diabetic and not know. it. Yeah. Some,
0: yeah. It, so, and that's very possible. Like, and you know, the, the ambulance was there, they took her. And then like the, immediately the police came over and they're trying to talk to us. And they're like, well, what happened? And I was like, I didn't see it happen. Like I drove by and I saw an upside down car. It's lights were on. So I thought that was odd. And so I stopped. And like the other people, basically the same thing. The, there was one guy who showed up and he was like, I saw her in my rear view mirror that she had, she cut across like three lanes to get the exit. And, uh, and that's, I guess when she hit the rail, cause it was, you know, the exit, it's not like a straight exit. It's one of those ones that kind of like loops around. Yeah. Like and a clover uh, piece. yeah, yeah. Like a clover piece. Right. So she, I guess she, she went off the exit and didn't realize that that was the direction it was going to be going. Mm -hmm. And so then she hit the guardrail and, and once like that guy said it and I looked, I was like, oh, I see what's going on here. She hit the guardrail and the, and it, and, and that kind of pushed her up on the hill. And then when she got up on the hill, her car flipped over. Yeah. And, uh, so fortunately she was okay, but, um, you know, that was, that, that was related to being helpful. You know, I just, it's my neighborhood now. And even if it wasn't my neighborhood, I probably would have stopped, but yeah. I want to make, make sure that, you know, my neighborhood's safe, especially, and also just that if somebody's there, th- but you know, this is not the first time I've done this kind of thing. And every single time I'll run this by you just because I know, and our listeners will kind of, I probably who have been listening for a while know my personality now. Like I like to be helpful. I want to help. But every time like I go to a car accident and I've gone to the two or three of them uh, when like I'm the first one there or whatever. And so I'm just like, I got to go see if somebody needs help. And every time I'm wor- I'm scared to death that I'm going to open the door and it's going to be a dead person.
1: And 100%.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's like the scariest thing to me. And like, fortunately, like I got the door open just a little bit and she was, I could see her moving and stuff. And she pushed the door open and undid her own seatbelt and all that yeah. sort of stuff. I, although had, had I opened the door sooner, I, I don't know if I, she was upside down. So I don't know if I would have told her to stay and not undo her seatbelt, but like,
1: For I don't know what would, bless race- yourself.
0: Yeah, or, like, I could have helped her, but she was quite large. So, I don't know that I would have been able to, like, help her get out.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Also, I
0: didn't...
1: Yeah. It went the the best way it could, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I felt bad for her. She was... I mean, she was... She also was confused. She didn't know where she was. Um, She was like, where am I? And I was like, you're in Arlington. Uh, And she was like, Arlington? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I'm in Arlington I was trying to get to Tyler and like Tyler is like two hours away and so like I don't know what was going on I or maybe she had just like she hit her head maybe and just had forgotten or something like that yeah
1: well that's what kind of made me think of like diabetes or something like that
0: yeah yeah it, we, it was didn't... yeah it was weird yeah because it, it, and it's also the wrong direction like Tyler's on the other side of Dallas <laughs> so <laughs> I was wondering like, it, that. Yeah, it was like, it was a weird, it was like a weird thing, like she, where she thought she was, but it also could have been that she was just disoriented and was like, you know, yeah, going yeah. somewhere else and just had forgotten or something. But anyways, that kind of like, what it, what it does is that like the cop, when when he was talking to me about it and stuff, I was like, look, I'll give you the basics, but I didn't see anything I, I, I and, you know, I, if you need anything from me. You can call. I gave my I gave my name and phone number to the dispatcher, and he was like, "Well, can I get your name and phone number?" And I was like, "Well, you can get it from the dispatcher. I'm the one who called." And uh, and he was like, "Well, what did you see?" And I was like, "I I really didn't see anything, officer. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fill you in. I got all these holes and stuff that I don't know anything about. Like, I came here. She was in the car. I got her out of the car, and then I called nine one one. That's it. Yeah. And and like, I don't want to be like a dick. You know, he's trying to do his job and. But he was, like, 20 and and giving me a hard time about helping somebody get out of a car. Yeah, but,
1: you know, that's kind of the thing. And, like, I, this is one of those things where, like, I get some of their positions, but I also don't agree with most of them. But it's, like, a lot of times people try to hide what happened, like, you and I would have. Like, you know, if it had been one of us and one of us had been drinking or something like that. Right. Like, yeah, I would have said nothing and I would
0: have been like to the ambulance, take me to the hospital.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, it's, there's like, you know, all those sort of things where it's like, oh no, be quiet. Like those sort of things. And so, you know, it's like, well, what does he really know her? Is he just trying to hide what happened? Did he, is he hiding? Like, and this is another thing is like, did you somehow cause it? Was it a road road rage incident where you caused this person to crash? And you're the first one, or were you somehow in the car? You know what I mean? Like, even though there's a, Clearly, you know, a vehicle that could be associated with you. Like, how do they know? But real quick, I've got a quick good Samaritan story that I forgot to tell you about a couple weeks ago.
0: Sure. Yeah. Go for it. So
1: for a couple weeks, I had been, or for like a week, I had been going into Kroger on the way to work and getting a sandwich and a cup of yogurt. And like, I walk in and I see this old guy kind of like reaching up towards some toilet paper or something like that in that area but also he could have been standing there trying, just holding onto the shelf to try to not fall. Right. And, you know, I had my headphones in and like, I was like, I'm on like, I'm in the grocery store. I'm on a mission. And then yeah. I kind of thought back and I was like, no, that really looks like a stranded old man. Like he can't get what he's trying to get. Something's wrong. So, you know, I pop, pop my headphones out and turn back around. And I'm like, do do you need some help? Cause there was a cart in a distance that you or i could have like even with like a broken leg could have shuffled to and been okay but like you know he was in his 70s at least um unless he's you know like some sort of junkie and then but like you know old navy hat you know clearly an old guy um so he's like oh like can you reach the toilet paper up there and i was like yeah which one do you want oh it doesn't matter It's like, no, 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 man, I went out of my way to ask you what you wanted. Tell me the one you want. Like, cause there are two different toilet papers. Like I'm already here. I'm offering to grab whatever you're asking to get. What do you want? And of course, you know, it's just like, Oh, it's like, no, no, man. Like I went out of my way to help you tell me (laughs) which friggin' toilet paper you want. Like I hate when people do that. It's like, it'd be different if it's like, you know, it's all Heinz 57 ketchup in the glass bottle. Right. There's literally nothing different about it. Well, which one do you want? Just grab a glass bottle, man. Like I, I just can't reach the bottle. Like, but this was like super ultra northern, and then there was this was like half ultra. It's like, dude, tell me what you want. It's your butt. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> so, all right. So I think we. So what do you been, end up getting? I don't even remember. <laughs> like, right. It's like some cultured northern, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so. But that that actually, be, and I don't know if it's the, that location. Is it? It was the Kroger by work. Uh yeah. That Kroger is like full of old people.
1: Yeah, I mean that's an older, older neighborhood kind of. Okay, so I guess that least, makes sense. That, yeah. At least that's my opinion. So.
0: Yeah. So, uh, anyways, <laughs> but to, to tie it in. Oh God, this dog.
1: Hey, hey. It was a Frenchie. Oh okay, well, just. Tell him
0: to stop barking. <laughs> yeah, he's he's barking at. Uh, there's a there's a dog out in the in the pool, pool area that he's barking at. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he's just having the time of his life. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's just being he's being a dog.
1: He says, "I have no reason to be anything but this."
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but uh, hey, uh, <laughs> <pause laughs> it. it dude, it's it's seriously not that bad on the mic.
0: Oh, it's not okay. No. All right, so anyways, the 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 tie in <laughs> for this was the you know government people and their perception of alcohol and so the the dream, the this and what kind of came up about it was that the cops kept going like oh yeah we get this all the time there's a lot of bars in the area so people they drink and then they get in their car and they drive off and that may be true you know but like i was like yeah whatever like your deal whatever like there's bars here i get it like but there's bars all over the place and you can't say that like this particular exit you get lots of accidents on if that's the case then there's something wrong with the exit
1: (laughs) (laughs) quite possibly
0: yeah like there's bars everywhere yeah and and there is there is a large concentration of bars near our new house because it's by the stadium so there's a lot of like sports bars and stuff because people want to be if they're not actually at the game they kind of want to be near the game i guess Mm -hmm. or if it's an away game they'll they'll come (laughs) into that area to support their team that kind of thing so there is a lot of bars there uh and that actually, when we were looking at the house, we almost didn't get it because the crime statistics were very high. But then when you like dove deeper and purchase the crime statistic thing, it shows that none of them are property crimes they are all like bar fights and accidents from drinking and that kind of thing.
1: Oh, wow. I mean, the accidents yeah. from
0: drinking. Yeah. It's a little bit worrisome, but like bar fights, I don't really care about.
1: Like, yeah. I was going to say like, um, public drunkenness.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that, you know, and, and she, you know, that may have been very dangerous and well, and, According to the other guy it was but the article that I have is the the war on moderate drinking so you and I drink quite a bit you and I have you know stories where we probably shouldn't have driven or something like that or mm-hmm. even even drinking as much as we did when we were not like at a house or even drink as much as we did when we were at a house
1: but yeah, I mean there's there's plenty of time where we just drink too much <laughs>
0: yeah 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 and so but the article it's from Forbes it's called the war on moderate drinking and I'll go ahead and summarize it and then we can kind of talk a little bit about it And, uh, so it is, uh, so prohibition ended in 1933, uh, last month, a study from the national Institute on alcohol (laughs) abuse and alcoholism came out that led to, um, outlets like news outlets, uh, to conclude that drinking is in even, even in moderation isn't safe. So this was basically his judgment was based on this particular article from the national Institute of alcohol abuse and alcoholism. Uh, a whole bunch of articles came out, all with headlines that were basically saying, you shouldn't drink. And so according to the study that came out, when you like dive a little bit deeper, it is that uh, the study found that 1 million people died from alcohol-related causes between 1999 and 2017. Now, does that number sound odd to you at all?
1: So, like in a Tom Woods, Bob Murphy show, Contra Krugman way, like, why are they picking 1999 to 2017?
0: Well, that's interesting. I didn't, that's not what I thought. I honestly was surprised that it was as few as 1 million. That's a long time. That's like almost 20 years.
1: Um, so, there are 320 million people in the United States. So,. That seems like a lot of people to me. You think, oh, does it? Okay, it seems like. Right. Well, so here's the thing. Like, if you asked me to estimate how many people die yearly in the United States for all reasons, I would have guessed a million people. So, really, okay. If you then said, like, okay, in about a twenty-year time frame, one million people died from alcohol, I'd probably be like, well, I'm guessing my estimate on how many people died is wrong (laughs) you know what i mean it's kind of like
0: and and honestly like i would have no way to guess it it's just when i read that i was like a million over 20 years out of 320 million like that's doesn't seem like that many but you know you know, I, I, yeah, She's you're both right. Both you and I, I think differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I was, like that, I thought was a really odd statistic that they said. But so, anyways, according to the author of the article, though, the study's misleading because the majority of deaths um, from causes such as cirrhosis and drinking-related accidents uh, were due to heavy drinking. So, apparently, when you actually dig deeper into these statistics, so cirrhosis, you have to be a heavy drinker basically to get it from alcohol. Uh, well, apparently, it does. It does. So happen. Killed my
1: father in law. So yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So but the other thing that he said is that if you actually dig into the statistics on drunk driving relating related accidents, it's not just like you overdrank one time. It is that does happen, but it's rare. It's that you are a consistent heavy drinker and you frequently drive drunk. So that is apparently the, the the way that the statistics kind of like hammer out is that moderate drinkers, people who drink one or two glasses of of wine or beer a day, which is considered moderate a day, uh, a day. Yeah. That's a moderate drinker, one or two beers or one or two glasses of wine a day. Whoa. A day. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. That I was a little bit surprised about as well, but they consider that moderate and it's, and it's actually considered healthy as I'll get into later on in the uh, article. Um, but so he was saying that like when you actually dig into these statistics, the people that are typically in accident and, and it may be like kind of a statistics game is that if you're a heavy <laughs> drinker, you're more frequently driving drunk. So you're more likely to get in an alcohol related driving accident. Hmm. Whereas, whereas if you are a moderate drinker and then you drink heavy one time, statistically, you're less likely to get into an accident
1: Makes in that sense. one time.
0: Yeah. So like it, that does make sense. So it's interesting that the way he pointed that out, um, So anyways, so the the temperance movement, apparently, uh, in this era is according to him, it's not a religious movement. This is, uh, instead a nanny state policy wonk concerned with public health prohibition movement (laughs) or temperance movement. So it's, it's interesting that kind of the way it switched, but actually if you like look at people that you and I like, like Michael Malice, who says that, that basically like modern day nanny state, uh like leftists or uh, well, what he calls the evangelical left come out of that movement. They come out of the turn of the century progressive movement.
1: Mm-hmm. And it
0: makes sense that a lot of the people that are kind of on this anti-alcohol crusade are health, like nanny state health concerned progressives. Yeah, and That seems to be the, the sort of the group of people who are I- interested in this. So uh, anyways, the modern era temperance, temperance movement uh, pays celebrities and social media campaigns or or funds social media campaigns to lump moderate drinkers in with heavy drinkers in order to sway public opinion and public policy uh, according to the author uh, these this threatens decades of sound peer reviewed science so a couple of the things that he cited in the articles he says the American Heart Association found that moderate drinking was One of five low-risk lifestyle choices that could lead to a longer life. He didn't really say how much longer, but he just said longer life. Uh, So UC Irving Institute of Memory uh, Impairment and Neurological Disorders find that consuming about two glasses of beer or wine daily is associated with an 18% reduced risk in premature death or age-related sickness. Uh, the Mayo Clinic says that moderate drinking may reduce heart disease. I don't know what ischemic stroke is. So I'm just going to say stroke, ischemic stroke. Not sure what that is. Do you know look what that it up. is? Okay. Uh, and diabetes. Uh, and, uh, and all of these, I, I think I only included in the middle one, but it, they're all, they're all gauging it on, um, uh, moderate drinking, which is considered to be two glasses of wine or two beers a day. Uh, so anyways, in uh, many cases, policy advocates uh, advocates that governments are not even... Oh, I'm sorry. I read this incorrectly. So basically what he's saying is that the, the policy advocates, the people that are trying to restrict alcohol, are getting these like think tank things together where they invite government officials and policymakers but don't allow anybody from the alcohol industry to come to these meetings to defend you know, their product. And uh, so one of the one of the meetings or whatever that he that he cited was the Global Alcohol Policy Alliance that's meeting in Dublin this year. Uh, And it is barred all he says drinks representatives, which makes me think he's British, but drinks representatives from attending. (laughs) So this meeting, actually, it's going to contain tons of uh, EU policymakers and uh, government officials from multiple European countries. Are going to be attending, and that this this meeting actually does have a fairly large impact on European policy. Uh, a new Year, a New York, I'm sorry, New York banned alcohol advertising on most city properties, even though it costs nearly three million dollars in revenue. This is New York City. Uh, mm-hmm. So Mayor De Blasio uh, stating there is no doubt that far too many New Yorkers struggle with serious substance misuse issues. Uh, amount. Uh, among them, excessive drinking, so he the author of the article says, well, he says this i mean this can like it's a very amorphous statement, far too many. What does that mean and he says this is actually despite that New York underage drinking has been down by thirty five percent in the last ten years, uh and that the this seems that this whole kind of movement in New York and other very progressive areas seems to be due to the loss of the uh, the you know the cash cow of tobacco is mm-hmm. that t- tobacco is perceived as basically being defeated at this point, and they're moving on to other vices or things that they think are bad for people. And the easy one is alcohol. Now Elizabeth actually had an episode, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. I didn't look it up before this, where she had a, a British economist come on and talk about uh, the economics of drinking and um and related to these kind of progressive uh nanny state health nuts. And one of the things that that they're advocating for in England right now and it does seem to be catching on is uh you know those like on cigarettes where they have like the gross like teeth or they have yeah. like a diseased heart and all that kind of stuff. They he's saying that like they're trying to advocate that they put like livers that have been damaged by alcohol and like gruesome car accidents and all those sort of things on the labels of of wine and beer and things like that as like a deterrent for people drinking at the expense of the producer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things is he equates this, he says like moderate tobacco use and moderate drinking are very different things. And like it's, you know, you can can be a a two cigarettes a day smoker and it may or may not affect you that badly, but you can be a two glass of wine drinker a day and it's actually good for you according to these other people. And this is, and this is not like new studies. This is studies that have been confirmed time and time again, uh, through various organizations since like the 1960s that moderate drinking is actually very good for you in a lot of cases. Now there's, there's some that are excluded, pregnant women, children, that sort of thing is they're excluded from those studies, obviously, but, um, There has actually even, and they don't mention it in this article, but I've read a couple of articles where like very moderate, like a half a glass of wine is actually not terrible for pregnant women either. Yeah. And it's actually in some cases good for them. And, you know, there so there's a lot of that sort of, you know, like it's like an abolitionist, like alcohol abolitionist temperance movement type mentality where it's like the devil is here in this bottle kind of thing. And it's like, well, no, there's actually in some in a lot of cases it's very good, and it's also delicious, so you know <laughs>
1: fuck off kind of
0: yeah <laughs> so, so basically the rest of the article is them is him basically saying, don't lump in alcoholics and people who enjoy a couple of glasses of wine a day it's it's a very different thing, and it's very clearly a different thing and all of the all of the studies for the last forty years shows that it's a completely different thing, yeah, so, so. that was interesting.
1: Like a cemic stroke is a basically a plaque based stroke, like where okay. uh plaque builds up and then that causes the artery or, you know, the artery to constrict and then blood flow, thlo- uh, slows pools and then can form a clump. So there are other types of strokes where non-plaque based, but so that's kind of there. Um, so are you familiar with who Tim Ferris is? Is he the like
0: the like 10 hour work week guy 4 hour work week uh, guy? 4 4 hour work yeah. week. Yeah. So remember
1: when I lost all that weight the first time? Yeah. Like it was following what he was saying. So okay. um, when he did the 4 hour body. So he had a guy named Peter Atia on. Okay. And Peter Atia is a MD. And Peter Atia is like he's the MD that you would be. Like okay. he's super in shape like does all these weird medical experiments kind of on himself, like reads all the literature, like all the literature you can, um, mm-hmm. like takes this medicine that like, you know, he's like talks about how good at di- intermittent fasting is for you, like does super long fasts, you know, does all that sort of stuff. Like, but he's also is like one of the first people that I've seen because like, you know, it's one of those things where people like go, oh, I did a like a 36 hour fast. And they're all happy with themselves. And Peter T is like, Yeah, I do a 36 hour fast and I try to stay away from my family because I know I'm going to be an a hole. Like, right. Okay. You know, he, he's super intelligent and smart. But one of the things he talks about is like alcohol is poison. Like, interesting. Okay. It's just straight up poison. Like, it is not good for you. Um, it cannot, there, you know, there's a level that will not be detrimental to you and won't kill you, but it's straight up poison. At least, you know, in this one episode, and I'm not saying like anything and like, but you know, how it affects your circadian rhythm, you know, like how it can destroy your sleep and do all this other stuff. And when I heard this, I was super, super distraught because like listening to everything else he had said and what everything else he was talking about and like some of the things and what, you know, basically that's... (sighs) I don't know if you kind of caught, but like around January or so, I kind of really stepped back from how much I drank. And okay. it, it's because I had recently listened to an episode where he was on and he was talking about like what it does to your sleep. And one of the things as you know, is I've never been a super good sleeper. Yeah. And for a while there I was getting very good sleep, but then like, I noticed like, and this may be like, you know, like a bias that I'm producing myself where like I wouldn't sleep well if I had had a lot to drink. Or Well,
0: that's true. Like I mean, having a lot to Well, anyways, continue with your thing and, and yeah, we'll, but, I'll like, go back to it because this is actually something that I wouldn't say like I'm an expert, but it is something I pay attention to mostly because of
1: this show. Yeah. But that's the thing is like when I drink heavy heavy, like I yes. just sleep. I'm not right. saying like it's more or less restful, but like I noticed even with moderate drinking. Well, and that's the thing is I may not be a moderate drinker by that definition when I was sure. drinking, right? You know, every day. But like I noticed like a change in that level. So, you know, it's one of those things where I don't disagree that these people are busybody jackasses who are just trying to legislate your life. But I question some of those studies because. Just like all other studies, as we've come to find out basically is there is no, there's no study that doesn't have some sort of bias in it
0: and there's
1: no in like, basically, you know, like all those psychology studies, 256 respondents and everybody's got past traumas and you know, like, basically they say whatever you want them to say, um, And then one, so like one of the things like, you know, New York's underage drinking, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. but that was percentage. Is that a percentage of children or is that just pure numbers? So like, if there's a thousand less children, then you could have a 35% drop. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, it, yeah, like yeah, how's that statistic generated? So, but like, that's the thing that one of the things that kind of, you one of the things that people always try to do with the progressive left is argue science with them. Mm-hmm. They don't believe in science. Yeah. They claim to believe in science as long as it pres- supports what they want to do.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, that, and actually you and I've talked about this. It's like a, like a scientism kind of like mm-hmm. religious, religious, like religious fervor kind of, it's yeah. more of like, like, it's like, it's like the people who, who like, uh, what's that? What's the black physicist guy who's like real Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yeah, no, the, well, the, well, they'll they'll be like, well, Neil deGrasse Tyson says that the Federal Reserve is good. And you're like, he's a physicist.
1: Yeah, it's like,
0: who gives? Why, <laughs> why do you care? Well, he he's a brilliant man. He's a physicist. He's a, he's an astrophysicist and all that. And you're like, yeah, but he doesn't know anything about the the Federal Reserve, or he may yeah. know something, but like, why would I believe him specifically? And is he a policy expert? No, he's not. He knows about astrophysics.
1: And it's like, and who cares if he's a policy expert? Like, yeah. That's just a person saying like, Hey, I want to continue to get paid in this thing. So, but and I 100% agree. And that's kind of the thing that drives me nuts is like, you know, I'm an atheist and for a while there I was just like, well, what does science say? And that's all I cared about. But then like, I basically found out like, you know, most science is manipulated in some way. Now, obviously like, if you do like a fulcrum experiment or a lever experiment and like college, you know, college physics or something like that. Yeah. There's, there's some things that you just don't manipulate. You can't manipulate because it's just purely observable, but like any of these, like, Oh, this is a hard, like scientific fact. It's like, especially when it comes to economics or like human psychological behavior and all that stuff. It's like, no, no, it's not like there are certain things that we know for sure. Like, x but there are other things that are just completely interpretable and that's like this it's like there was a i was reading reddit and i was or not Reddit, but i was reading through um yeah reddit and it was like murdered by words and it was like somebody was like you know if you're threatening to kill someone for trying to take your ar-15 away maybe you're the type of person who should have their ar-15 taken away and my response was maybe if you tried to keep your hands off other people's property we wouldn't have to murder you first right like You know, it's this idea that like, or like my other response kind of in my head was like, what business is it of you what I choose to own? If I do no harm to you with what I own, whereas you want the jackbooted thugs to come and take from me just because I have it. Like that's like the, in you know, in, you know, it's inconceivable to people like you and me these days where it's like, I don't like what you're doing. And instead of coming to you and saying, Hey, Jacob, I understand that the constitution says you can have this thing. Can you explain to me why you feel you need to have this? I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to shoot it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to look at it with you. I just want to understand why you want to have this. And then maybe you learn something. Maybe you don't. Maybe I go, Oh, really? I don't need this. And maybe I switch to something else. But instead, your response is like, bring in the government. Right. Change, You know, yeah, like, yeah. Legis- I'm going to legislate your life. Yet, everyone's you know, this always This actually,
0: saying, yeah, this is let, the legislating your life thing or whatever. This is, and this is not new or anything like that. But actually, I was listening to Rogan the other day and he had on uh, uh, Adam Curry. Who, I've seen a lot I, about that one. It's it's really actually really good, uh, but he he made him he mentioned something about homelessness that I'd never heard before, and I got to look this up and see if this statistic is real. But he said like something like sixty or seventy percent of homeless people are homeless. He says you can directly trace it back to catastrophic family loss, mm-hmm. and like that. And I was like, really like that? Surprised? And he says then there's a large percentage as well that are just people who choose it because for whatever reason they're lazy or drug addicts or something like that. Uh, well, in drug addiction, I guess would not even be choosing it, but. Uh, or, and then he said, there's another percentage that are people who who are mentally ill, but he says, even the mentally ill people, sometimes that can kind of be traced back to catastrophic family loss. And he says, this is one of the only places they can find community. So they go and live under the bridge because there's other people under the bridge that will talk to them.
1: Yeah. And And, and that's the, you know, so (sighs) like for a while there, you and Victoria were kind of like at a point where. You wouldn't have been sunk if you had a financial emergency. Yeah. But you could have been, especially if right. like two had happened. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you wouldn't have been because, you know, at any point you could have just come over to our house. Sure. Or, yeah. you know, like you were, you had somewhere to go. Worst right. comes the worst, you guys could have literally just flown to San Diego. Like, yeah, your exactly. parents, You know, you had some way to survive. But there are so many people, and like you know, again, it's that confirmation bias. Like you know, you and I read Reddit, and we're like, how are this many people abused? Right, like
0: yeah, or like how are, how is like every single
1: person on Reddit have depression? Yeah, you know, and, like that and kind like, of
0: thing. Where it's like, what?
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing is like there was like some like on Reddit they had a like people who aren't depressed and anxious all the time. Like what's that like? And I was just like, I don't know any other way. I've never. Right known another way. Um yeah. and then there was something saying that like, you know, like a psychology professor or some professor was like, you know, 20% of people don't live this way. Everyone else does. Has something yeah. like, you know, some sort of impact and I was like, that might be true because there are like so many people at my work, you know, like where we worked. Yeah. Like they don't we're on like badly. 20
0: medications.
1: Well, not, yeah. not, not only that, but like they don't pay badly, but they're like, oh, like somebody's water heater went out and they had to spend $1,500 to get it replaced. And I was like, my water heater went out and I spent $6,000 putting in a tankless. Yeah. And it it's not like I sat there and went, man, this could, this could make it so I don't make my mortgage. I'm going to spend $6,000. Right. I just put it on the credit card and then paid it off. Like the net, like that month, like paid it off, just got the airline miles. That was the only thing I cared about. Right. Like I even thought about like applying for a new credit card to get one of those, you know, do another airline mile scheme. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> yeah. then I was yeah. going to spend so much money on it. I was like, well, why wouldn't I do that? So that's the thing that like, I don't get in like, I have like, Now, granted, I have a huge credit limit, like, on all my credit cards, and I don't have any credit card debt, but I've got a mortgage and I've got student loans. Like, you know, I have debt, but, like, catastrophic family loss, like, you know, as an example, and, like, I hate to say it in this way, but, like, if your dad had been killed in action when you were, you know, 12, like, that could have been catastrophic for your family. Now, granted, you, you, like...
0: What we have just an enormous extended family. Co- and that's, correct, that's, but like you know, that's yeah. kind of the advantage, and also the church. That's the that's the other thing, and that's kind of what he was talking about a little bit on the show. Was he said there's like a church down there in Austin that's kind of working this out, and he gives a funny example. You should listen to the episode. He's he's actually I might listen, start listening to his podcast because he's yeah. super personable. Any any he, maybe he'll come to Child- Childerberg. He sent me a, an email, oh, but wow. uh, yeah, yeah, I think I told you about it. I uh,
1: I didn't remember it was Adam Curry.
0: Yeah, okay. Like our, yeah, I didn't so, connect.
1: It was the same people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was him directly or just somebody who's, cause he, he, like when he was describing how his show works, apparently it's very organic. So it could have been just somebody on, on his team or whatever, sent it from that email. But, mm-hmm. um, anyways, but, uh, he was talking about it and he's like, there's like a tiny house guy out there who built a bunch of tiny houses. Oh yeah. I, I remember that guy. Yeah, he got like a little bit of land out there in Austin and he got some people together and he's got a Christian mission and, and that sort of thing. Oh, where- wait, no,
1: sorry, I was thinking of a different guy. But- okay,
0: well, this guy, he, he's, he, he does have that aspect to it. So it is a religious thing, but, mm-hmm. he, but, it's, but he offers very, 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 very low rent on these. He says it's not free. It's like a hundred bucks or something like that a month, but it's uh, super inexpensive. You can It's got showers in them. You can get cleaned up. He says the biggest thing though that helps people out and helps them graduate out of this is that it builds a community. And that, like, if, you know, Joe comes out of his house with his pants off and his dick in his hand, his neighbor's not going to be like 911, let me call the police or whatever. He's going to be like, hey, Joe, uh, why don't you come over here and have a cup of coffee with me and let's, like, talk about it. Here, let me help you get your pants on. And, like, you know, that's, that's what the guy's trying to form because a lot of the people do have mental illness. But it's also, like, a lot of people don't have any family there or, or any sort of community at all, like no church. Like even, even when I was like a pretty uh, consistent church goer, like when you and I first met, I went to that Baptist church every Sunday, regardless of what was going on. Like I went there, like we, you and I partied one night and like, I was like hung over and tired the next day. I still went. And, uh, and it, it was, you know, the having that base or whatever is always good. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, there was a lot of people who went to that church who, had absolutely nothing else going on in their life. Like they, like they, they, they would probably, if like the church went out of business or whatever, and they didn't find another church, then, uh, they would be those types of people who just, that would be their basically catastrophic community, family loss or whatever. And they would be on the streets cause they were, you know, very near destitute, almost no money, really socially bizarre, like awkward in like beyond belief. And, um, but what's great about m- not all churches but a lot of churches is that it doesn't matter who you are or like what your weirdness is or how socially awkward you are like there is a unity in belief or at least professed belief and there are people who are looking to help at a lot of these places you now there's some churches that are not like that but you yeah, know, the church she- that i went to was in a trailer so <laughs> but uh and and it was and for for a long time, it was that way. It was much more of a, hey, this guy is trying to get back up on his feet. Who can help? And, you know, we had people that came and live with us for, we had uh, some chick who, I don't know how, know how it happened. She got out to, somehow she got out there, like there was a Navy guy. And then like the the Navy guy and his wife, like had like some sort of weird fight, but they had flown her out to be like their housekeeper or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they split. And then the dude got on a ship and was shipped out. And the chick disappeared. And so then this other, this girl, like, you know, 17 or 18 years old, probably probably 18, 18, maybe 19, was like, I've got nowhere to go. And so she was like stuck in Virginia Beach. Cell phones were still kind of new and she didn't have one. And she's like, I don't know what to do. So she told, she had enough money for a cab ride. She told the cab, bring me to a church. <laughs> and they dropped her off. My mom happened to be there. And she was like, I don't know what to do. And I just was like, bring me to the church. And my mom was like, well, come, come stay with us for a couple of days. (laughs) And she came and lived with us for like a week. (laughs) And, uh, just, you know, some young, young woman or whatever, who was kind of stuck. She figured it out. Eventually she had to, you know, call, use our phone, called her family and called other people and stuff and figured it out. We, we had a couple of kids who were in a pretty bad situation. They came and lived with us for about a month, um, Not like their, their mom was still in the picture, but I guess their dad was like abusive or something like that. And so like her mom, their mom was like figuring out like custody stuff. It was, it was weird. It was like a weird, I don't, I don't remember exactly what the kids
1: to be where they're not, you know, it's like one of those, um, you know, you see articles every once in a while where like a lady gets arrested for leaving her kids in the running car with the AC on during the job interview. And it's right. not like she's getting a job interview to work at Goldman Sachs making – It's like
0: McDonald's it,
1: or something. Yeah, it's like yeah. cashier at McDonald's and it's like her third job. Right. Like – and she's making it. And, you know, like that's one of the things that drives me nuts is like when I'm standing in line at like Food line or something like that. And, you know, like persons dressed – what I would consider well, even if it's not a style I particularly like. Yeah. And, you know, their nails are done or their, you know, haircut's super fresh and they pull out like a snap card or something like that. Right. And it's not like they're sitting there with like a bunch of like super fresh vegetables and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, it's like Cheetos
0: and things. Yeah.
1: And then they're like pulling out like a wad of cash to pay for the other And that doesn't get covered. Right. It's like the government removes community. Yeah. And then, you know, they like try to break up these communities because like they're, you know, like before prohibition, there used to be like a lot more like men's society that were based around drinking, but they did have charitable aspects to them. Now, there were plenty of just straight up drunk bars, but, you know, like they they government like every time people try to manipulate the market and interact in the like other people's affairs, that isn't somebody saying, Hey, I want to try to assist you. Like, no, I'm going to pass a law. It's like with the, like my daughter's school, like, yeah, we're going to pass a law.
0: Like the the carbon monoxide one. Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: It's like, Oh, we're going to try to pass a law or, you know, like, um, yeah, you know, people were celebrating the fact that, like, Virginia finally decriminalized marijuana. It's like, well, what, why did they even do that? Or um, Virginia was the first Commonwealth, because we're not a state, by the way, um, to pass a anti-discrimination law for hair types. So, like, you can't not hire somebody because they have dreads. Okay, interesting. Like, but it wasn't like there had been this huge community backlash where like say like Norfolk public schools had refused to hire these five individuals who were like the best candidates ever. And they were like, like in the article they cited somebody like, like somebody in Texas. Yeah. It's like, so this is a problem in Texas, but not in Virginia. So we, but we've got to pass a law that like denies a business, the right to do something Now I understand if like the government said, we can't discriminate in that way. Like, yeah, you've stolen my money. <laughs> like, yeah. So now you don't get to discriminate against who you hire, you know, just all those sort of things where it's like, you know, the government's decided to legislate away the problem. It's like, but the problem is one you created.
0: Well, let's, let's real quick bring this kind of, cause I agree with that. Let's re- really quickly rewind this a little bit because we got off on like a long rabbit hole and Our we're normal. running a little bit <laughs> late. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, to kind of counter your guy from the four hour. What was his name again?
1: Tim Ferriss, but it was Peter Attia was the guy who was Peter Attia. Yeah. So
0: there is. Uh, so do you know David Sinclair? He's a longevity scientist. He's he's trying to cure aging. He's one of those. He works at Harvard, I think.
1: I I would not be surprised if like Peter Attia and that David Sinclair guy don't like regularly interact. Like
0: they they might actually. And so like uh, so David Sinclair and obviously Aubrey de Grey who works at one of the you know, Aubrey de Grey, he looks like a wizard kind of, and he's in, he d- he does a lot of the studies on longevity. No, I B. mean, this,
1: this is totally your bag.
0: Oh, okay. Cause you know, cause as, as I'm sure all the listeners know, like I am convinced that I'm probably going to be living well into my 200s, if not longer. And, and one of the things that you pointed out that like, I've, I've sort of co-opted onto my own is if I'm living into my 200s, there's really no reason I won't live longer than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and cause I think that as, as I live longer, the technology gets better anyways. That's that's neither here nor there. There is, uh, I, I was trying to remember what it was, but it's in particularly in red wine. There's something called uh, resveratrol. They they discovered it about ten years ago, uh, and apparently this is actually super beneficial to people when it comes to um, aging, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and has other health benefits. And there's antioxidants and all that kind of stuff too, which apparently that's actually controversial science. The the uh, the, the antioxidant thing is like apparently doesn't nobody really knows what it means exactly. It's kind of a marketing thing. Yeah. And so there is like, yeah, go ahead.
1: I was going to say the, what I had heard at one point is like, basically it's kind of like that free radical stuff.
0: Yeah. Where yeah. like
1: it pulls out these possible things that would attach normally to something.
0: Right. But it like yeah, just creates
1: so, more of them.
0: Yeah. So in one of the episodes, he's actually been on, David Sinclair has been on Rogan like four times or something like that. And I, and I like his episodes a lot, but he, he goes into that cause uh, Joe Rogan talks about it with him. He's like, well, what about these, like these antioxidants?" And He's like, well, there's not really any clinical evidence that those specifically are good because he says there's usually things that are antioxidant also have other things in them <laughs> that are, that are, that he says the, the research is not, it's kind of ambiguous when it comes to that. It's uh, antioxidants are probably good for you, but we don't really have a huge amount of proof for it. And so the science is kind of out on that or whatever, but he's also super cautious when he talks about this because he works at Harvard. Mm -hmm. and uh and but the other dude uh aubrey de gray is he's in a uh foundation that's privately funded and he's like i don't feel i don't feel constricted at all and he's also like (laughs) because you know rogan always ask asking he's like well what do you guys do and so david's just kind of like i don't want to give any recommendations i'll tell you what i do but there's no recommendation recommendations on this so he he goes through that he actually takes anti-diabetic medication because uh even though he's not diabetic, because he says there's actually longevity um, studies that show that this actually will add
1: 10 to 15 years to your life. I think that's if what you, Peter Atia was talking about taking, but like, really? yeah. yeah, but there was like, apparently some, it's hard to get a prescription for it. It's, you have to like really hound your doctor about it. Well, yeah, that's the thing is Peter Atia is a doctor. So yeah. like he basically could, I don't think he's, I'm not saying he like prescribed it himself to himself. Cause I know that's not pos- not supposedly possible, but like, he also was saying like reasons to not take it, um, because of something else that they had recently seen.
0: Yeah. That's actually in David, David Sinclair, I think on the most recent episode said there is some evidence that maybe it's not as good as they thought. And, and he said also like a lot of these studies are on either diabetics, which means there could be other things going on that make them live longer or Mm -hmm. mice, which are not humans. So (laughs) obviously because they're mice. So anyways, that's that, uh, We'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Is that you know? So war on moderate drinking, believe it or not, believe it. That's fine, but the it does seem like there are um, the forces of evil, as you and I would consider them, trying to get the government to be, you know, nannies and scolds because we don't know how to take care of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Kind of to reiterate this the story that I told earlier is: don't drink and drive. It's not good for you. It's probably not good for other people. Um, It's definitely not good for other people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in this case, this this chick, you know, she crashed and hurt herself. Fortunately, she didn't hurt anybody else. But yeah, I mean, like she was, she was upset and scared for herself. If she had killed like a baby or something like that, then she probably would have been, you know, one of those homeless people who has catastrophic family loss or something. Yeah, exactly. uh, But the, that's kind of the, the gist of the article. And we got off on a long tangent, but we're almost coming up on one hour and 30 minutes. So. Let's go ahead and do plugs.
1: I'll let you do those because
0: you're so good at them.
1: Yeah, so if you would like to attend Childerberg, it's the 23rd through the 26th in Austin, Texas in the Emma Long Metropolitan Park. Um, So we will be happening during part of the LNC. So if you're out there for the LNC, stop by, see us. We're going to have a lot of fun, a lot of things going on. There's some big stuff working in the background, as always, as we always seem to hint. But we can confirm for sure that Nikki P and Robbie the Fire, uh, so Nikki P from peace freaks. And I think like 60,000 other podcasts and then Robbie the fire <laughs> right. from, uh, the run, run date, your mouth, and, <laughs> run your mouth, and, and then, uh, um, part, of the part of the problem, um, will be coming out. Nikki will be doing some music. Robbie will be doing, uh, a, some sets or at least one set, hopefully. And then, um, I believe he's going to help us coordinate an open mic for those people who want to do some stand up out there. Uh, there'll be people, doing brewery tours or whiskey tours or whatever, you know, people will be yeah. kind of trying to get people to go out of the park, do stuff, but there will be people, uh, playing sports having fun, just hanging out, swimming, doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, you and I are going to do some recording. I mean, I think most of the people who podcast are going to do some sort of podcast recording while we're out there. Uh, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people who will pop in and out of podcasts. You and I are probably going to do uh, some sort of wine tasting. Um, I think you're going to host one, but I think, you know, just in general will be, you know, plenty of wine and beer and things like that to try. Um, a lot of fun and friends. So, Childerberg.com or Childerberg on Twitter. There's a newsletter. Sign up. Once the shirts are sold out, they're sold out. Um, you can also follow us at TastingAnarchy.com or TastingAnarchy on Twitter. And if you want to send us an email, it's tastinganarchy at gmail.com.
0: All right. So, I think that's it. So, from us at Tasting Anarchy, stay free.
1: Stay free. All right. Knock down windows and turn down doors
2: Drinking half gals and calling for more Drinking wine, for you to drink wine mop, mop. Wines for you to drink wine mop, mop. Wines for you to drink wine mop, mop. Pass that bottle to me Hoy! Drink at me Oh, give me some of that slop. Oh, pass that bottle to me if you want to get along in Peterstown, buy some wine and pass it around. The age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drink it wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Wine's for the oldie, drink wine, 40 for you drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Wine, wine, wine. Wine, elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Horton Sherry. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gillsby at Willie's Den, he wasn't selling but American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hipped that can for a dollar and a dime, a drink of wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel, have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Somebody's fifth and somebody's fourth. When you get together, you're doing things smart. drinking Wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Pass that ball to me.